This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, May 19th, 2019. Encore, sold out, given by Mike Osman. Well, good morning, Connection. It's good to see everyone today. Are you blessed by God? Are you filled with His Holy Spirit? Do you walk in His grace and His power? Amen. That makes our weeks good, even when our weeks aren't, if you know what I'm saying. Welcome to Connection today. I want to welcome everyone who's here every week. Uh, For those who are visiting for the first time, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being here and choosing Connection to worship your Savior with today. That's an honor for us. Those of you who are watching on Facebook Live, we welcome you wherever you are. Um, Thank you for joining us today. We believe that God has something for you there and for us here. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today and for uh, your presence in our lives, not just in this building, but Lord, you are where we are. Everywhere we go, you are already there. You are with us, Lord. We thank you for that. We pray today that your word will enlighten us, strengthen us, and send us forth in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're continuing our series called Encore. What would Jesus do? He came, right? The living word of God came from heaven, uh, was born of a virgin, lived among us a sinless and perfect life. He went to the cross for us. He sacrificed his life for us. He laid down his life. He was crucified, died, buried, resurrected from the dead. Hallelujah for the resurrection of Christ. Ascended into heaven, a perfect life. What do you do after that? What is the encore to a perfect life? Well, there is an encore. And so in our series, Encore, the first week we we talked about the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, where Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit to empower us, to live within us. And we called that showtime. And then last week, we called it on tour. It is how God was personally involved in taking the gospel to the world. On that day when the Holy Spirit came, there were 16 people groups that were there, that had come from all around. And in that moment, God did a miraculous thing where uh, disciples spoke in other tongues, languages not their own, to all these different cultures. And then these people went out. From day one of the giving of the Holy Spirit, the gospel began to spread. This was on tour, the word of God going in to the world. Today we're going to continue, and the title of my message today is Sold Out. And it is a call to discipleship. What does it mean to be sold out? What does it mean to be a disciple for Jesus Christ? And we're going to look at a couple of different aspects of that. We're going to continue in the book of Acts, which is what we're going through. Acts chapter 6. If you have your Bible, please go ahead and open them up. I love to keep my Bible with me. I bring it to church uh, almost every Sunday. And uh, we're going to go through Acts chapter 6. And look at some verses in Acts chapter 7. So let's get started in verse 1 of Acts chapter 6. Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. 
Church, sometimes the sign of church growth, of God moving and doing wonderful things in a thriving church, is problems will, ar- will arise. This can be a sign of God moving. In this new church, in the church age, the, the church began to grow. And out of that, more and more people came into the church. Well, who were the Hellenists who were complaining about their widows who were not being uh, served during the daily distribution. Hellenists were Jewish converts from the Greek world. They spoke the Greek language and they lived uh, predominantly by Greek cultural aspects. But when they heard the gospel, they came back to Israel, they came back to Jerusalem, they joined the church in Jerusalem and they became a part of this growing and thriving church. And how many of you know sometimes there are good problems to have? In a growing church, in a place where God's presence is and wonderful things are happening, needs will arise. And so that can be a sign of a good thing. You've ever had a good problem? Like, oh, I got blessed with a bonus. I've got this. This is a good problem. What do we do with this money? You know, sometimes in the church, as we grow, as God moves, complaints will arise. And oftentimes, complaints are a sign that there is a need in the church to be taken care of. And so we're going to look at how disciples can help take care of the needs in the church. And let's go on in verses 2 through 4. In these verses, God establishes a leadership model. It says in verse 2, Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Two types of disciples here. Two types of leadership models being expressed in the church. God gave us first the spiritual leaders of the church. The fivefold ministry, the apostles, the prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers are called to the spiritual needs of the church. Their focus is to remain on the spiritual needs of the church. And when the need arose that was not being met, the challenge for spiritual leaders is to get drawn into the business of the church. The church is a community. It has a business aspect. It is not a business with a community aspect. And we must understand that to understand kingdom leadership principles, what God established. Our leaders often in thriving and growing churches, working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, are struggling to find 10 hours to devote themselves to prayer and the word and ministry because they're spending 30, 40, 50 hours answering emails, taking meetings, planning things, and they're caught up in the business aspect of the church. Well, we're called as the body of Christ to be disciples, and a lot of our discipleship is that we support 
by doing the business aspect of the church, our spiritual leaders, so that they can focus on the spiritual aspects of the church. And in today's contemporary church, under a business model, the church leaders are expected sometimes to be the the master of everything. And what can happen when they're not supported by us doing the business aspects of the church is they can get pulled away. And signs of being pulled away from focusing, like these 12 said, it's not desirable for us to leave the Word of God, but we'll continually give ourselves to prayer and the ministry. What happens is, Burnout. They can find themselves overcome, overwhelmed, and giving up. Barely able to hear from God because they're so busy doing business. And so discipleship works this way for spiritual leaders and this way for those who are called to help them, to support them. And so we are called as disciples one way or another in this calling. Remember, the church is a community. It is not a business. So here's a need that arises. It's brought to the leaders, the spiritual leaders of the church. And then in verses 5 through 8, we see how they respond to this need. It says that the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. I love what happens here. We see that they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. God gives guidelines for those of us who are called to be disciples in serving the body of Christ. Discipleship starts in service. And this is, this is how God works. We serve and then we lead. And some of us are called this way to support spiritual leaders. In Stephen's case, what happened, and this may be the case for some of us, I believe in our midst, there are some who are serving this way, are called to be disciples in the church to support the spiritual leadership. That as you serve God this way, in the business of the church, somewhere along the road, he'll turn it that way. And he'll call you to spiritual leadership in the church. And so there may be some in our midst today called to more than just what you're doing. Every bit of service in the church is a calling from God and is a form of discipleship. 
So our spiritual leaders, the pastors, evangelists, pastors, teachers, prophets, uh, these, these people, apostles, are called to stay focused on spiritual matters. And we are called to support them by taking care of the matters of the church. It is a kingdom leadership model. And so let's continue on and see what happens as a result of this. In verse 8, we saw that Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. We're going to look at Stephen now a little bit and his discipleship and what happened when he was being faithful to what God called him to. He was called to oversee and help the business of the church. And then God turned his calling this way, and he became a spiritual leader in the church. And when our spiritual leaders are focused that way, there will be great signs and wonders. And church, that's what I believe God has for connection. As we are growing, as we are experiencing new needs, there is a call for us to be disciples this way, supporting the disciples this way. And that's how the cross works. That's how God will move among us in great signs and wonders. See, what happened when Jesus did many signs and wonders? What happened was the multitudes gathered. They followed him. They'd stay out for days following Jesus. They saw the signs and wonders that he did. When God moves, when great things are happening in our faith communities, signs and wonders, the works of God will happen. And people will hear about it and people will see it and people will come. And there are two types of people that will come. And here's where discipleship gets challenged for all of us. There will be those who come who want to join, be a part of the church, who will follow Christ, who will commit themselves to discipleship in serving God. And then there will be those who who come for another reason, who don't agree with what's going on, who will uh, persecute what's going on. And let's take a look at what happened here in Stephen's case. In verses 9 through 14... It says, Then there arose from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders, the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place, the temple, and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place, And change the customs which Moses delivered to us. Church, when we begin to move in the discipleship that we're called to, good things happen, God things happen, growth happens, and then people will challenge that. This story is very familiar sounding 
Remember Jesus? Signs and wonders, people followed. They began to listen. They began to respond to the Lord. And so what happened? They could not resist what was going on. They could not deny what was happening. They could not resist the spirit in which Jesus spoke, which was the anointing of God, the power of God. Same thing here in Stephen's life. It could not be refuted. It could not be resisted. So they resorted to false accusations and lies. And when a church is growing, you will hear some of that coming against the work of God. Because the world, which is in darkness, does not love the light, nor the truth. And so Stephen's experience was very similar to Jesus's. Brought before the council, falsely accused. And so we see Stephen here in verse 15 of chapter 6, the last verse of this chapter. It says, All who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Now, when someone would falsely accuse me, mistreat me, say something evil about me, lie about me, trying to harm me, my face at times tends to go, you no good so-and-so. And it's anything but the glory of God on my face. Right? You hear me? See, what happened in my life from time to time was I'm in the glory, God is doing great things, then I am being falsely accused, lied about, lied to, mistreated, and I step out of the glory. And I snarl in my face and in my heart. See, Stephen never stepped out of the glory. He stayed in the glory. God, help us to stay in the glory. Because that's where God wants us. And that's where God will continue to do great things. So here he is being accused of these things. And then in chapter 7, verse 1, Stephen gets a chance to give his defense. It says in verse 1, Then the high priest said, Are these things so? And I say, I appreciate this high priest because he at least gave Stephen a chance to give a defense for himself. Some people won't even let you do that. They're just going to give false accusations and lie and speak against you and work against you and not even give you opportunity to make defense. So Stephen took this opportunity. He began to speak about Moses. In chapter 7, verses 2 through 50, Stephen gives an in-depth discord on the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses wrote these books. These are known as the books of the law. The accusation against Stephen was that he spoke against the law. That he spoke against Moses. 
And so Stephen, who didn't have his Bible with him at the time, they dragged him out of the city. He left his Bible in the back seat of the car. They got him before the council. They're ready to stone him. He didn't have his Bible with him. He had his Bible in him. Stephen knew the Word of God. Knew it. Knew what it said. Believed what it said. And he said what it said. That is the preaching of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ under the anointing of the spirit with which he spoke that they could not resist. Church, often our preaching the gospel will stir things up. So Stephen goes through this discord. He starts with Abraham, the father of the faith. And he goes through many of the significant people of the books of the law, the Pentateuch. He, he describes the law, how it was given, who received it next, the lineage of the law and of Jesus Christ. He goes through all of that in these verses up through 50. And then when he is done, in Acts 7, 51 and 53, Stephen turns to those who were accusing him. And he speaks to them about them. He's no longer, he has dispelled the, the, the lie that he speaks against the law by affirming it verbatim. He, it was in him. And he affirmed it. And then he spoke to those who spoke against him. And he says this. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels, and have not kept it. Church, God has called us to be meek, not weak. And there is a difference between the two. And we misunderstand that sometimes. Because that statement doesn't sound like, oh, a loving statement. But the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. And there are times when we are called to speak with boldness. The Apostle Paul prayed for boldness. Meekness is not weakness. Stephen was bold in his declaration of truth. And he, he brought before them the fact that they were resisting the Holy Spirit. There were forms and function to worship that back then more than even today, but even in our own lives, there are times when we expect things to be and go a certain way in our religious experience. But the Spirit of God, to take you where He wants to bless you, wants to take you beyond that. And we, in our religious confines, can resist the Holy Spirit at times. 
I've been serving the Lord for 37 years. Don't tell me I'm resisting God. I love God. And yet with the wisdom I have now that I didn't have then, I can tell you flat out, I have resisted God too many times in my life. Church, this is where it is. This is how it is. So he declares to them their sins of resisting the Holy Spirit. And in verses 54 through 60, who likes to hear it? (laughs) Who likes to hear it? (laughs) When you're told, right? What to do and what you're doing wrong. It's a tough pill to swallow. These religious leaders... Men of God didn't want to hear it, and yet it was a fact. And so Stephen continues on in verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. I hate when I get cut to the heart. And they gnashed their teeth at him. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, Stop their ears. They they couldn't hear it anymore. And they ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge this sin against them. Two things I want us to get out of this portion of Scripture. The first is this. In verses 55 and 56, Stephen, when they grabbed him and they started to stone him, being full of the Holy Spirit. See, he, he gazed into heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Church, the things you hear God say, the things you see God do, and the things you experience about God, it is your calling to declare those things, speak those things to the world. They're the things that will be anointed in your life. See, Stephen is about to die, and he could have gone, Lord, get these guys! He didn't. What he did was he worshipped God as he was about to die, not even for something he did wrong. And what he saw and heard, he declared. That's what the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ is. What have you heard God say to you? What have you seen God do for you and for others? Declare it to the world. Stay in the glory. Don't step out. And then here's the other thing. 
one of the most critical aspects of the Christian life, the life of discipleship, being sold out to God. In verse 60, then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Sounds awfully familiar to me. Remember Jesus on the cross? Imagine this. The living Word of God incarnate in the flesh, born of a virgin, comes to the earth, lives this perfect life, does signs and wonders, many miracles. He goes to the cross. He's beaten. He's spit on. He's put to shame. He's lied about. He's about to die. And he looks down at the crowd and he says, I can't stand you guys. And then dies with unforgiveness in his heart. Everything he did for us would be for naught. He would not have been the sinless lamb of God. We'd be without a hope. There would be no future in heaven for us. Stephen understood in his dying breath, he did not want to die with unforgiveness in his heart. He was wrong. The world tells us we have a right for restitution. The gospel tells us we give it to God. And we lay down our lives. And we let God deal with the evil. And we are to forgive. Remember Jesus taught us to pray? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. The Scripture teaches that we're not forgiven if we hold unforgiveness. There is another Scripture that, that talks about unforgiveness in the heart of a man or a woman or a child can lead to a root of bitterness. And by it, many are defiled. See, the world will tell you, oh, you have to be ready to forgive. It takes time. You need counseling. Jesus taught us in another portion of the Scripture, and we're not going to look at it. When you come to the altar to worship me, when you come to the altar and bring a gift to give to God, if there is offense in you, if there is offense in your life, leave your gift at the altar. Go make it right. See, the Bible says, as much as is possible with us, be at peace with all men. So when I come to worship, the Scripture tells me, if I want to be an obedient disciple, I need to deal with my unforgiveness. Now, I'm going to tell you, in some areas of my life, it took me years to forgive. But that wasn't because of him. That was because of me. And we can go through lives with migraines and churning stomachs and bitterness and anger and frustration and depression because we're not willing to let it go. 
and we live overcome by the darkness within. Forgiveness is available for every one of us right now. The power of forgiveness is probably the greatest power you have. Tell the world they are forgiven. Tell those who falsely accuse you that they are forgiven. Tell your spouse and your children and your parents they are forgiven. This will bring freedom and power that Stephen had. The glory, stay in the glory of God. Break the chain of unforgiveness. Often leads to depression, addictions, broken relationships. How many of us have a hard time getting together with the ones closest to us? I struggle sometimes. I know you do. That's, that happens. But Stephen understood the power of forgiveness. And so what happens in a thriving and growing church, there may be complaints. But God will meet those needs as the church grows, as we're committed to discipleship and serving in the business matters of the church, to assist the spiritual leaders of the church. And what happens through persecution often is this, that the gospel goes forward. In 8.1, it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death, and at, time, at that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And then we're going to finish with this. In Matthew chapter 16, just like Stephen... We were all called to lay down our lives, to sell out for Christ. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Is that you? Are you a disciple of Christ? If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I have one last word before we pray. I just sense there's someone here who is saying or has said, I'll forgive them when they ask me for forgiveness. Don't wait. God gives us the power and the responsibility to be the ones to forgive. Like Christ forgave us, we forgive others. And the great salvation of God can come in our lives. Amen? Amen? We're going to close in a song of worship and praise. The steps are open for prayer. Church, come. Bring what's in your life, whatever your needs are. 
Come to the front and pray. The prayer corner, there are people back there willing to pray with you for any reason. Pray from your seats, but come to the Lord and give it to Him. Let it go and walk in the glory of God just as Stephen did. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank You. We thank You this day, Lord, that You are in our midst, Lord, doing great and glorious things. We thank You for the power of forgiveness. Father, as we have been forgiven, let us in turn forgive others. Let us walk in the glory that was Yours. That power of forgiveness. Lord, today we declare our freedom from a root of bitterness. Our freedom from despair and from depression and from addictions, Lord. The things that have held us back because the world has come against us. We renounce those things. We thank You, Father, that we walk in Your love and Your forgiveness and in Your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life He offers.